Welcome to One Cause Church. We hope you enjoy this inspirational message. I hope you came hungry, because <laughs> uh, I'm serving steak tonight, all right? So I'm going to need you to stay with me. I'm going to move quickly. I'm basically trying to take what I did a four-week series on and condense it into one sermon. So we're going to blow and go, all right? So you guys with me on that? <laughs> we are studying one verse. Yes, I did a four-week series on one verse, because I'm insane like that, right? Um, but I handed my sheet to Brooke, and she was like, oh, this is shorter than usual, because usually it's like 30 verses that I might use. No, it's really not. It's not shorter than usual, but we're going we're to make this work, all right? So you with me? We're, we're going we're gonna to dive in. We're going to dig in. It's going to bless you, because we're going to look at Ephesians 6.12, which I think is one of the most pivotal, script, uh, pivotal scriptures in, in all of God's word, one of the most important scriptures for our life. In here, Paul addresses basically, this is... In your walk in this world and in this life, this is your everything, right? This, this, this is it right here. And so we're going to really dig in. We're gonna, what is Paul talking about? What does that mean for our lives? How do we apply it? How do we use it? And we're going to learn how we as believers fight. This is how we fight, right? We are called to fight the good fight of faith. This is how we fight right here. It's what we're fighting against, and it's how we fight those things. Okay, so that's what we're going to dig in tonight on. This is spiritual warfare, but not in any of that like crazy Frank Peretti kind of way. This is like the real, you, you know what, you with me? You know, some, of, some of y'all laughed at that. Some of y'all get that. All right, here we go. So we're looking at Ephesians 6.12, which says, and I want this first part to hit you, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. People are not your enemy. Okay, you are not your enemy. Stop beating yourself up. Okay, the enemy cannot beat you. What he can do is distract you. And what he can do, if you, if you realize that you're suiting up against him, he's defeated. So what he has to do is get you to fight somebody who's not him. And he'll get you to fight yourself. He wants to pit you against you. Or he wants to pit you against another believer. Or he wants to pit you against somebody who should be and could be and will be, God willing, and, and, and given their choice, a child of God who is a child of God and just doesn't know they're a child of God. He's trying to get you to fight anyone but him. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood. You are not at war against people. You are not at war against circumstances. You are not at war with yourself. Stop fighting those enemies. They're not your enemies. Okay? We do not war against flesh and blood. Well, okay, cool, Paul. What do we fight against? Right? All right. Well, I'm glad you asked. Yeah, thank you, class. Right? Here we go. All right. But against principalities, powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Those are the only four things you fight against. That's not like some repetitious, poetic, like whatever. What, no, that's an actual list. Those are the only four things you are fighting against in this world. That is the source of all trouble. That is the source of all destruction. That is the source of all sin. That is the source of all problems. Those four things. So we've got to get into those four things and what are those four things so that we know what we're actually doing, what we're engaging, and how we engage them. You guys with me on this? Okay, cool. We're going to jump now. Um, don't pull it up yet, actually. I want to talk about this for a minute. In 480 AD, if, if you go to school in any military academy in the world, you will study the Battle of Thermopylae. One of the most significant and important battles in all of history. 
It is a battle where we learned if you pick where the fight happens and how the fight happens, if you can dictate the circumstances, the where and the how, you can win. And you, as an inferior opponent in certain areas, can defeat a greater enemy. Okay? What happened at the Battle of Thermopylae you have a, the army of Xerxes, he's the Persian king, coming in, and he's just been like laying waste to everybody, like right and left. It's not even funny. And at this point in time, Greece is just a collection of city-states. Now, the warrior city-state is Sparta, and they're kind of the, the first ones in line, right? If Xerxes comes in, Sparta's getting hit first. So King Leonidas takes 300 of his soldiers. Most of you have seen the movie. It's not in any way historically accurate, but whatever, right? Takes 300 of his soldiers, and they go to a place that's known as the Hot Gates. Why? Because the Hot Gates is this very thin strip that the Persian army will have to cross. The Persian army has over a million men in it, okay? Their size is one of their advantages. Another one of their advantages is what they call the Immortals. These are their hoplite armies that are very, it's light infantry. So the, the, the battle strategy of the Persians is we use size and we use speed to outflank you, surround you, and destroy you. And so Leonidas says, well, let's just take both of those things away from them. And then they can't beat us, right? And so he takes his 300 men to this tiny little strip. And now all of a sudden, these warriors who have no armor have to fight these warriors who do have armor, and they can't outflank them, and they can't use their speed. they got to come headlong into the strength of the Spartan army. And for three days, they just lay waste. Right? It's not until the Spartan army actually outflanks them by figuring out there's the secret passage around that they're able to actually win. And these 300 men inflict one of the highest casualty rates in the history of war. Why? Because they knew where to fight, and they knew how to fight. Okay, that's what we're doing today. Where do we fight and how do we fight? So let's establish some truths first. This is the end of Ephesians. We're going to go to the beginning of Ephesians where we actually see Paul lay out our foundation. Okay, so this is the conclusion. Let's go to the beginning, right? So we're going to go to Ephesians 1.15. I'm going to read all of it just because it will bless you, but we're going to focus on the very last verse. Fair enough? All right, Ephesians 1.15. This is Paul praying. Therefore, I also, after I heard of your faith in the, Lord, in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you. Oh, that's probably something we should do more of, amen? Give thanks for everybody we know, right? Making mention of you in my prayers. And this is what he says, and you've heard this before, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. The knowledge of him, Right? The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding greatness of his power, we're going to focus on that word, toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. I want to stop there for a minute. We're talking about power now, right? Power is something that we care a lot about, and we should, right? Power matters, because power is the ability to do something, to change something, to protect yourself, to defend yourself, to build, to create, to prevent destruction. Power is good. We need power, right? And, 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 and it ends with this, and the power there, his mighty power is the word dunamis. That's the Greek word dunamis. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Okay, so I'm going to throw some Greek words at you, but there are essentially three different words for power in the Greek. And we're going to, all of the, the four things that are listed, three of those words have to do with power. Okay, so, so that's what we're talking about here. We're talking about power, okay? So just follow with me. I'll, I'll dissect it a little bit. If you don't get it, that's cool. We'll get there, okay? Uh, 20. 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. Where is Christ seated? At the right hand of God in the heavenly places. That's important for later. That's where he's seated, okay? 21. Far above all, oh, this is going to look familiar. Far above all principality, power, might, and dominion. It's four things again, right? Those are the four things that are going to come back here in the end, okay? So those are all different words. The word for principality is the word archi. We will see that again in a minute. The word for power is the word exousia, right? That's the word for authority. The word for might is also power, but that's dunamis. That's the right now ability to act or change something, right? And then dominion is the word curiotes, which it's also kratos, and it basically means uh, like dominion or jurisdiction, okay? Three different words for power, and then one which is archi, which we're going to talk about right now. <laughs> How about that, right? So these are the four things. Will you uh, uh, pull back up uh, 612 for me, Brooke? I said to you that all problems stem from these four things. We know that trouble comes from three areas in our life, right? Trouble comes from the fact that we live in a fallen world. We do live in a fallen world. Sometimes bad things happen, right? Bad things happen uh, because we have an enemy who hates us. (laughs) And bad things happen because sometimes we're just dumb. And we do dumb things, okay? And, and so that's, that's what we're dealing with, right? That's what we're dealing with. I'm gonna, the, the last one that we're dumb and we do dumb things, that's the first thing that he addresses. Why? Because that's the most important. It's the word archi. It's the word for principality, okay? That the word principality in the Greek means archi, and this is where we get the word archetype. This is where we get the word archaeology. It's a search for origin. It's a search for beginning. It's a search for identity, Okay, so God, uh, Paul says here, it starts with identity, and then from identity comes these three forms of power, and that's where the war is. If you know who you are, and you know what you can do, then you're fine. You have no problems whatsoever. If you forget who you are, and you forget what you can do, now we got issues. Now we got trouble, okay? So that's what we're dealing with here. So the word archi for origin, uh, think about it like this, uh, the... The archetype, those of you who studied psychology are very familiar with this in the works of, of Carl Jung. Uh, I'm going to go a different direction with it. We're going we're gonna to jump into a metaphysics and epistemology because why not, right? This is what most people think of when they think of philosophy is, is an apple really an apple, right? Uh, epistemology is basically how do we know what we know and what does that mean? It's the study of knowledge. And metaphysics is, uh, okay, so we have this natural world, but what's behind this natural world? What's kind of creating it, right? Like, it, what, is, is a chair really a chair? Is there a god? You know, stuff like that. That's metaphysics, Okay. Plato has this theory, which is called the Platonic Ideal. And the Platonic Ideal is basically like, okay, if we're looking at this podium, none of us is having the same experience. We are all seeing the same thing, but we're also all seeing a completely different thing. Why? Because of our perspective. I see something very different than Heather sees. But we know it's the same thing. How do we know it's the same thing, right? Plato has this idea that there is somewhere, we're going to call it heaven, where there exists a perfect representation of that thing. And that that perfect representation has all of the characteristics that it imbues to this thing. And because this thing reflects that perfect thing, and that perfect thing is like this thing, we have an idea of what this thing is, and we can all share in that experience. 
okay? That's the idea of platonic ideal, that there is a perfect representation somewhere that defines this as a podium. There is a perfect representation of you that defines who you are, seated at the right hand of God. If you know that, then you know who you are, because he looks like you, and you look like him. And so when people see you, they see Jesus. And you better believe when your enemy sees you, he sees Jesus. So what's he going to try to do? You're not Jesus. You're not him at all. You don't look anything like him. You're terrible. You're horrible. You're awful. Because he's got to convince you you're not Jesus. Because if he can get you to believe you're not Jesus, he can win. Because Jesus beat him. So if you're Jesus, game's over. You with me now? This is why grace is so important. This is why it's everything. This is why it is the foundation of our faith. Because it's grace that defines us. It's God looking at us and saying, no, 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 you're not who you say you are. You're who I say you are. And you need to believe that. You didn't earn it. I give it to you. This is your identity. This is who you are. I need you to believe it. I need you to own it. I need you to walk in it. I need you to stop listening to the lies from the enemy. I need you to stop listening to the condemnation and shame because that is the only thing that is holding you back from being who you are, my child. So just be his child. Just know who you are. Look to him who is seated on the throne. And if you feel like you can't, We're told to go boldly into that throne room of grace. I don't care if you just messed up. In fact, if you just messed up, you need to go boldly into that throne room of grace. Amen? And you need to look at the father who calls you his son, and you need to look at big brother who guaranteed your sonship. And you need to say, ah, so that's what I look like. Yeah, my bad. I'm going to stop doing that because that's just foolishness. Be who you are. Identity is key. Because if he can hit that, then the rest of it doesn't matter. So that's why God starts, or Paul starts, the Holy Spirit and God through Paul, (laughs) it's everybody, okay, (laughs) we're all in this, Uh, start with identity, because it all starts there. Next, moving on, because we're moving fast. Y'all good? All right. I'm going to kind of lump the next three together a little bit, but then we're going to take them one by one, because the next three, like I said, all have to do with power, right? It's the Greek words uh, exousia. Uh, curiotes, and dunamis, okay? And so though, though it's not, the, the, against powers is exousia, but the other two actually aren't technically curiotes uh, uh, or dunamis. But we're going to see how that works, okay? So what we're dealing with, uh, if you want to know kind of what's the distinction between exousia, dunamis, and curiotes, here, think of a cop. All right, a cop has a badge. That's his authority. The badge is what allows him to do what he does. If he doesn't have the badge, it doesn't really matter, right? The gun is his dunamis. If you don't respect the badge, go respect the gun, <laughs> right? And curiotes is dominion or his jurisdiction. Can't go outside of his jurisdiction. I don't care if you have a badge and a gun. It doesn't matter then. You're out of your jurisdiction, cop, okay? So those are the three things, right? This is your authority, This is your right now power to act, and this is your area of influence. This is what you can impact and affect. You guys with me? Cool. All right, now we're going to look specifically at exousia. Exousia is authority. This is the badge. This is, I remember as a kid, I watched like the Saved by the Bell episode, and like Screech tries to make like a citizen's arrest. 
And I'm just like, is that a thing? Can you do that? Is that like, can I just walk up to somebody and be like, citizen's arrest? And no, is the answer. You can't. Uh, in fact, we have laws against that. We have laws against cars having lights that look like police lights. It is illegal to impersonate an officer. Why? Because authority matters. You can't act like the thing unless you are the thing. <laughs> can't act like the thing unless you are the thing. We have an enemy who roars about like a roaring lion. He ain't a roaring lion. All right? He's trying to act like the thing, but he ain't the thing. And we're the ones who enforce that. We're the cops. We have the badge, which is called the blood of Jesus Christ. We have the name. That's your authority, okay? And so when you, you, that roaring lion is coming at you trying to act like he's something, you're like, no, player, you ain't. You've been beat, son. Get, right? Like, that's, that's everything. When it comes to that, faith matters. Here's why. You got to know that you have the authority, so you have to know who you are. So you have to know that grace has been extended as an invitation to you, and you receive it by faith. Okay? Sometimes when we're exercising our authority as believers, we put too much faith in faith. Instead of Mark eleven twenty three and Mark eleven twenty four, faith moves mountains. Cool, it does, right? But here's the thing: it starts with eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. If we go back to Ephesians one before all of that. It's all in him, in him, in him, in him. So Christ in you matters. Christ in you is the authority, right? But we stay there. We get there. We have that authority in him, okay? You can't fly on your own. You can only fly if you are in a plane. Then you can fly, right? You don't have the authority unless you are in Christ, right? So you have to be in him, which means coming boldly into that throne room of grace because it's in his presence is fullness of joy and at his right hand pleasures forevermore. That's what faith lets you do. Your faith isn't moving the mountain. Your faith is getting you in the presence of the one who moves the mountain. You with me? It's saying yes to the invitation of grace and then walking in relationship with him such that you're in him and he's in you and there is no difference to the world. When the world sees you, they see God. Why? Because you're in him and he's in you. But if you break one of those, you're going to have issues. If you're not in him and you're making it all about you, that's an issue, right? And if you don't know who you are and you don't allow that to, to, to grow in you, which we'll get into in a minute, that's an issue, okay? So, so it's this relationship. Faith and grace are a relationship fundamentally. And you need to declare and you need to speak and you need to, to stand up and use that authority. But it's him in us and us in him, all right? So uh, let's, we'll move on now to, uh, to the next one, uh, against the rulers of darkness of this age. That's the word cosmocrator, uh, K-O-S-M-O-K-R-A-T-O-R. Uh, it's an epithet for Satan. We see it a couple other times in Scripture. Uh, it's basically saying, like, you know, prince of the power of the air. Think of it that way, right? Like whenever Adam sinned, he kind of handed over the keys, and so now we have all of this, like, destruction, and, you know, Satan's kind of running amok in the world. And, but that, that age will end. <laughs> Praise God. And we actually can declare heaven on earth right now. So this is the next lie. After he comes after your authority and your identity, he's going to tell you, yeah, but you have no power here on earth. <laughs> you have no power here on earth. How many times do we actually believe that lie? 
How many times do we actually see a situation and a circumstance and allow it to change us rather than allowing our faith in him to change the situation and circumstance? One of the two is going to change. Either the circumstance will change or what you believe will change. Which is it going to be? You know? I don't care how long I have to walk in healing. I know it's true. It will change. It has to. And I'm not changing what I believe and I'm not changing what I say and I'm not changing what I declare. It will change. Because I have a truth and it's already done. So there you go. Cosmo crater, its root is in the word kratos or curiotis, which we've kind of dealt with. That's your jurisdiction. God wants you to know that your jurisdiction is earth. When the disciples heard Jesus praying, they said, we don't pray like you do. Teach us how to pray. And what does he say? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are not of this world, but we are in this world, and we are in this world for a reason. We are of heaven. You are Valerie of God Most High. That is who you are, Alex of God Most High. Your citizenship is in heaven. You are seated right now next to the one in heavenly places in him who all things have been established and are true. So that's where your real home is, but you are here to make a difference and to bring that heaven to earth. But how can you bring heaven to earth if you are not actually walking with the heaven? Know what I'm saying? If you throw up shotgun prayers, you know, spend time with him. Spend time with him. Because when you know what heaven is, then you know what earth should look like. (laughs) And then you can declare it here. And your words matter. Your words matter. What you say matters. And this world needs our words. Romans 8, it says that the, the, all of creation groans eagerly awaiting the revealing of the sons of God. Right? We make a big deal about discipleship, but that's not the height of relationship with God. Discipleship is good. We need it. We should be servants here. But the, the height of a relationship with God is knowing you're his child. Creation isn't waiting for the revealing of the disciples. Creation is waiting for the revealing of the sons. Because sons and daughters know who they are. And sons and daughters know that there is nothing that can ever separate them from their parents, from the father who loves you. And sons and daughters have an inheritance, and sons and daughters have authority, and they use it, right? Emma's going to boss everybody around in my home. She's my kid. Probably me too. And you know what? She's my daughter, so yeah, that's just, that's, it's game over. Right? I mean, like, I'm weak. I'm weak. So... Use your authority. Use that power. This is your jurisdiction. We pray earth on heaven because we are seated in heaven, but right now we're walking in earth. (laughs) So that's what we do. All right, last one. Oh, man, we're doing good on time. Has this been too fast? Are you all good? I'm like flying, I know, but okay. Um. Actually, you know what, I, I want to I give you this last illustration because uh, I'm, I'm stealing it from Brandon Holler. It blessed me whenever he said it. Um, think about whenever Jesus was on the boat, they're crossing, and Jesus is in the belly of the ship during the middle of the storm, and we all know the story. The disciples are freaking out. They're throwing water overboard, and they run down, and they're mad at Jesus. He says, why are you asleep? And he's like, oh, oh, you have little faith. And then he comes up, and, you know, peace be still. That's all he says, and they stop, and then these guys are marveling. Who is this that the winds and waves listen to him? They thought that the wind and the waves were the ones affecting them. They thought that the wind and the waves were the ones that that had the power. When Jesus was walking on the water, they thought the water was holding Jesus up. That's not it at all. Jesus was holding the water up. 
In him all things were created. Through him all things were made. And, and, and that which is visible was created by the unseen. And he was there in the beginning. He was the word in the beginning. And, and we need to use our words. That name that holds up everything. That everything has to obey and bow to. Because it's all his. It's his. We, ha- we need to use that more. We really do. The last thing is, is uh, uh, spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That is the word there. The, the most prominent word is the word pneumaticos. This word appears most frequently in 1 Corinthians 12, where we're talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Okay? Uh, I, this is uh, all God. Um, I was wrestling with this as I was studying this, and the Holy Spirit helped me. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Um, because I'm looking at it, and if we're going to line it out, and, and it's a four for four, that means that we're at the point of dunamis. And it makes sense that dunamis, or the Holy Spirit, is our gun, right? That the same power that raised Christ from the dead, that now dwells in us, is our right now ability to act. And it is. But what does that look like? And what does that mean? There's so much that we know about the Holy Spirit, and then there's some stuff that we kind of don't, right? Paul actually, in 1 Corinthians 12, when he's talking about the gifts of the Spirit, only uses the word gifts once. If you look in your Bible, the rest of the times, it's italicized. Because what he's really talking about is the spiritual. That we know some stuff, and we know the stuff we're supposed to know, and then we got a lot of questions about stuff that we don't necessarily have answers for. You know what I mean? We know what we need to know, and we use that. It's good, right? It's wonderful. And there's order to it, and, and, and God has, has, has laid it out for us, right? But, but what does actually, what does the Holy Spirit as our gun mean? Well, it means a couple of things. First of all, the Holy Spirit as your gun, this is your seal, which guarantees your salvation, which means you're not in jeopardy. That just because you messed up, God's going to kick you out of heaven, Right? The Holy Spirit is your dunamis in that. It's your gun against his attacks of your identity. It's your gun against his, his attacks on your authority and your dur- jurisdiction. That's your seal. So it's your gun in that way. It's your gun because by faith you have the ability to go into the throne room and in that presence is fullness of joy and at his right hands evermore. And all the promises in him are yes and amen. And we get them through the Holy Spirit, our comforter who guides us and leads us in all things right now. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our righteousness as believers and our sonship, right? But the Holy Spirit is also our gun in, in another way. Um, he is our might and in our power, not in the gifts. I want you to hear me on this, not in the gifts. If you read 1 Corinthians 12, we don't access the gifts by faith. We access them by desire. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy, right? And gifts are given, right? So I, I can't necessarily... I, and then it also says that, that uh, these are manifestations, which means ondwelling. So we're not talking about indwelling in 12. We're talking about ondwelling. Indwelling is permanent, ain't going anywhere. Ondwelling comes and goes. Ondwelling was Old Testament Holy Spirit, came upon Samson, and then didn't, right? Indwelling is, no, that's yours forever. You got it. Ain't nothing going to take it away. That's, that's all you, man. So if I have a gun that comes and goes, that's not a very helpful gun. You know what I mean? It's like, you're going for my gun, and it ain't, oh, you know what I mean? Like, what are you going to do, you know? So we're not talking about the gifts here. We're not talking about the nine gifts, nine being the number of spiritual completeness, right? Eight is beginning or eternity, nine is completeness. So we have the nine gifts. So what are we talking about if we're not talking about the gifts, right? The gifts are on dwellings, manifestations that come on each to all. They are given. We're talking about the fruits that aren't given but are grown, 
We're not talking about 1 Corinthians 12 here. We're talking about Galatians 5.22. I want you to stay with me for a minute. The gifts are yours, and you should desire them, and you should seek after them. And you will experience them because signs and wonders follow believers. And your God is on your side, and he's going to show up, and he knows exactly what you need and when you need it. So you don't need to worry about that, okay? But this Holy Spirit in us actually gives us access to something that's kind of greater than miracles and signs and wonders. It really is. Let's go to Galatians 5.22. These are the nine fruits we're going we're gonna to talk about. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We go to 23. I don't think I gave you 23, Brooke. But you're amazing. You always, you always kill it. Hand for Brooke, please. <laughs> Gentleness and self-control. Against such there is no law. Will you go back to 22 for me? These are your guns. In every situation, these are your guns. In every situation, you can love. In every situation, you can have joy. You can have peace. You can have patience. You can be kind. You can do good. You can be faithful. Will you go to 23 for me? You can be gentle. You can control yourself. That's an important one. <laughs> In every situation, you can control yourself. Okay? <laughs> And against such, there is no law. Why? Because we have grace. These fruits are grown in us. These fruits come when we accept the Holy Spirit in us and realize what it is he can do for us and what it is he is doing for us. And in every situation, we have that gun, right? Think about this. In 1 Corinthians 13, it doesn't say miracles will never fail. It's the whole passage on love. It says that, that signs and wonders will cease. Right? That we prophesy in part and we speak in tongues in part, but there will come a day when we don't need those things anymore. These, these things are kind of incomplete. They're a picture of it, but they're not the whole thing. The, the whole thing is love, and love never fails. These are actually better. These fruits that are yours at all times are actually better than those things. Right? And here's the thing. Because they're fruits, they contain the seed. So they're more supernatural because the seed is Christ. How many people are like, if I just saw a miracle, I'd believe in Jesus? And then they see a miracle, and well, that's not a miracle. <laughs> right? Come on now. Because it's a manifestation. There's no seed there because there's no fruit there. <laughs> right? The fruit comes from us. He was the seed that was planted in the ground. Stayed there for three days as the only son of God at that point in time. But when he rose, he became the firstborn of many sons and daughters. That's what's most important in our life. It's not that water's part. It's that people believe and know how free they are and know who they are. And that seed is in that fruit. When you love in a situation where you shouldn't, you are being Jesus. And you are depositing a seed of Jesus through that fruit. Right? When you have patience, when you shouldn't have patience, you're being Jesus and you're depositing a seed of Jesus in that situation. When you are gentle, when you shouldn't be gentle. When you're good, when you shouldn't be good. When you control yourself and other people are like, how'd you do that? <laughs> Let me tell you about a man named Jesus. That's the more miraculous thing. That's the more beautiful thing. right? And, and that's how we wage war. Because 
God wants a big family. He wants everybody. Everybody, right? But he needs us to know who we are, to know our authority on this earth, to know the jurisdiction, where we, where we rule and where we reign, where we're from, and then where we police, right? And then he wants us to know what our guns are. So we stick to our guns, and we use our guns. And in all situations, we do these nine things. And, you know, I'm not bad-mouthing the gifts, okay, at all. I love them. I need them. I want them, right? Uh, and we all should. We should all chase after them, right? I mean, they're beautiful. I love the prophetic in my life. I love that I can speak in tongues. Uh, healing, amen, <laughs> right? Uh, faith, miracles, interpretation, words of knowledge, right? Words of all of it. It's all good, right? Um, but let's... It's all important. Focus on that. You know, make that more point of your life or a part of your life. I think sometimes, no, I won't say that. Uh, thank Yes, Lord. <laughs> when he tells you to shut up, shut up. Amen. <laughs> um, the, uh, focus on the fruits more in your life. And I really want you to do that. I really want you to focus on walking with him, talking with him, spending time with him, and then seeing that fruit produced. Because that's how it comes. right? You're not actually doing the work. You're really not. It just comes from what it says in, in the beginning of that is just walk in the spirit. Okay, That means, like we talked, knowing that you can boldly go into that throne room of grace, knowing that you can sit there with Abba Father or Dad and say, hey, Dad, let's hang out. And then the more you hang out with Dad, the more fruit you see. And the reason why you can go hang out with dad is because big brother's right there on the throne. And then when you're in this world and you're not hanging out with dad, you got the Holy Spirit right beside you. Homeboy's your enforcer, right? He's your big bad bodyguard. And anytime you need a situation, yo, bouncer, kill it. You know? And, and that's, the more you do that, it, it, the, the more you just grace by faith. It's God's invitation. It's your accepting that invitation. I will go into your throne room. I will be in relationship with you. I will walk this out. I will see these things in my life. I will hold on to every promise you have ever made me. I will declare it, and I will not stop walking, and I will not stop fighting this good fight of faith. And why is it a good fight of faith? Because we win. The only fights that I've ever been in that were good were fights I won. I don't talk about the other ones. Actually, I do. Some of them some pretty good stories, but they're not for right now. So bless you guys. No, I love y'all. But um, right now, I want to um, pray over you, and I want you to spend some time with God. Okay? Uh, I, I want you to just go into that throne room right now. I want you to know who you are. I want you to know the power that you have, that authority. You have a badge, you have a gun, and you have a jurisdiction. And that's what we're doing right now. We're going to dad, and we are, yes, this is who I am. And yes, this is my authority. This is my power. And I thank you, Father, because it's all in you. And because it's in you, it's in me. I thank you, God. I thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your peace. I thank you for your love. I thank you for every word you have ever spoken because they will not return void, but they will fulfill everything that they were sent to accomplish. I thank you right now for every promise and every person's life here. It is yes and it is amen. 
I thank you right now for just that life and more, that life and more abundantly would flourish in them. That all those things that are there to still kill and destroy, right now we declare them dead and gone. You are defeated. You are defeated. Our faith in our God is the evidence of your destruction. And so we speak right now to every dark situation, to every chain of bondage, to anything and everything that might be holding you back, to every fear, to every sickness, to every area of lack or brokenness. Right now in Jesus' name, it is restored. Right now in Jesus' name, it is healed. Right now in Jesus' name, you are blessed. Right now in Jesus' name, there is redemption and wholeness and goodness and peace. And so we will find it because we will not stop walking. We will not stop declaring and we will not stop believing because we know the God we serve will never fail. His words never have and they never will. I thank you, Father, now for your people. I thank you that you bless them and that you keep them. I thank you that no evil shall befall them and no plague shall come near their dwelling. That though a thousand may fall at their side and ten thousand at their right hand, it will not come near them. Because you surround them with favor as with a shield. They are your sons and daughters. And nothing, absolutely nothing can separate them from your great love. I thank you, Father, right now that they are blessed where they are and that they are blessed where they are going. That they are blessed by man and that they are blessed by God. I thank you right now that they have the victory in everything that they do. That they are healed in their bodies because by Jesus' stripes, we were healed, which means we are healed. And so we thank you for that and we walk in that. And now, God, may you bless them and keep them. May you cause your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them and give them peace. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.